God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonore Cravota. Hello, Leonore. Good morning, Scott. So uh, did you catch that um, Jesse Smollett? Yeah, I sure did. And that Judge James Lynn, I got to give him some credit. That's his name, James Lynn? James Lynn. That's the name of the judge in, um, in Chicago. And he really did a great job of summarizing what Justice yeah, Smollett 45, did. 45 minutes of, you know. It went on for a while, but, I, but let me just make a salient point here. He basically went in and reiterated everything that Justice Smollett had done wrong. Obviously, the hate the uh, creation of a hate crime, he the fabrication. Well, true. The fabrication of a hate crime, which does damages to people who are actually victims of the hate crime. The money that was wasted with the city of Chicago. And then, the, of course, the perjury that Jesse Smollett committed while he was on the stand. And he did repeatedly. Now, to your point about uh, the judges going on for a while, he did repeatedly say things uh, like, you are a narcissist. You are charlatan um he even went as far as to say that you've become the butt of late night talk show jokes he said things like that he did also you know he was kind he did say there you've done a lot of good things there are a lot of people well he didn't give any examples (laughs) but he did say that there were people who you know have come to your support but he also said you know it's you everything that's happened to you you brought upon yourself and that there is nothing that i could do to you that would be worse than what you've already done to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's cost him a lot of money and and uh, his career. And, you know, the thing is, here's the thing for me, is so, so often, almost, well, actually, by far, more than not, people like Hillary Clinton and all these other people get away with murder. Yeah. Literally get away with murder. You you look at Black Lives Matter, they answer for nothing. You look at Antifa, they answer for nothing. And then you get the, the truckers, they get their bank accounts uh, frozen, uh, they get shut down, they get run over by horses. You know, you get these illegal migrants, you know, and 
uh, the mere image of a horse, uh, a horseback um, patrol unit, uh, makes them look like it's somehow a civil rights violation when it was not. And <clears throat> the media narratives are so um, askew from reality. And we, we as a middle class and we as a, a uh, taxpaying uh, public get the shaft from big corporate, woke corporations, uh, these big multinational corporations that are owned by BlackRock and Vanguard, and by these politicians that sell us out every chance they get, like Lindsey Graham and the, the whole left-wing party, talking out of both sides of their mouth and getting away with it. Two standards of justice. And what was nice about the Jesse Smollett thing, and I'm so happy he got jail time. He got the lesser of uh, sentences that he could have gotten. And so I'm so happy that he he, he uh, got the jail time. And I think it was actually a stiff and harsh penalty. I think that they went in with with the thought that they were going to get away with 30-day, uh, uh, what was it, 30 months probation? 30 months probation and keep him out of jail. That's what they thought. Uh, I, I think that they were they thought that he was going to get hit with just a twenty five thousand dollar fine, but it comes to find out it's not only that it's one hundred twenty thousand dollars worth of um, debt, uh, the, the uh, debt that was acquired from the uh, investigation. Restitution for that. Restitution one hundred twenty thousand for that twenty five thousand dollars in a fine, the maximum, and then the thirty month of probation, and that was great. But I'm like, I want jail time. And he got jail time. He got 150 days. And that's what, that's what they complained about the most, his, his legal team. Now, the thing is, is that these people sit there and lie. Like Hillary Clinton will go up to the committee and she'll lie her through her teeth. And everybody's just lying all the time. And we're like, oh, okay. Well, that's what she said, you know, and, and it's fine. But Jesse Smollett got, got up there and committed perjury and uh, you know, at least one thing about this judge, although, you know, he may have been trying out for the actor's studio. Right. And he was good. He uh, probably was a convincing <clears throat> audition. Oh, absolutely. I think I, you know, I'd hire him for a part. You know, you, you could play the judge. Um, in any case, I thought what was great is finally we call these libtards out for what they are. These charlatans, these liars, these narcissists and these people that just get up there. And one day it's me too, and the other day it's not. And uh, you get you know people like Bubba Wallace who practically ruined NASCAR for for me. With the I saw a noose in my garage. BS colluding with the FBI. You know we've seen these hoaxes, all the misinformation uh, or disinformation related to uh, the uh, gosh what what's his name the the kid. Uh, with the, the Covington Catholic kid? No. No. no, no Which no. kid are we talking? Oh, you're talking about Kyle Rittenhouse. R- Rittenhouse. How yes. fast we forget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was just on. Um, he was on Tucker, Tucker a few weeks ago, right? No, he's w- with Tucker Carlson just recently. Yeah. Tucker Carlson has this daytime show on on uh, yeah. on Fox Nation or something like that. that well, no, uh, he started a project. That's what's going on with uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. But you got to hold these people accountable. And, you know, if anything, what, what has set decent precedents is 
is the Covington Catholic thing. I yeah. think that was a great precedent. And no longer should it be the case that ma- mainstream media can just smear you because you are a political dissident. You know, because you represent a side of the aisle politically that uh, doesn't jive with them. And we're seeing it play out here, too, with this Ukraine-Russia conflict. And and so what we see is we see the uh, typical usual suspects siding with Ukraine because Ukraine is a... Uh, you know, radically left-wing, socialist type of thing that's been pretty much dealing with dealing with our politicians for the last 15 years. And, you know, when I write these things about Ukraine, the negativity that I have or the disdain I have for Ukraine, it's not that I don't have disdain or negativity for Putin and Russia. I also have a problem with Russia and what they're doing. Frankly, I think it's probably one of the stupidest political decisions that any leader could make. And there's no evidence with, with of what to, his motivation is, Putin's motivation. For what's invade, his end game? What's his end game for invading in, in the Ukraine? Uh, you know, so that's not obvious to people. And as, and as the um, invasion continues to escalate over the last 16 days, nobody can figure it out. Right. Because, you know, even when he takes over... Ukraine when he when he takes control of Ukraine you think Ukraine's just going to not be become a rebel force against that force it's going to be the uh, world's greatest nightmare for for Putin and not only that but he's going to be isolated as a favorite status uh country uh he's going to suffer from sanctions uh and I would I would say that uh it's creating an incentive for things that he doesn't want it's creating an incentive for Ukraine to to be adopted into the European Union. Absolutely, which is what they wanted, and perhaps protected by NATO. Because, um, and and then the other part was Russia is basically saying, "Well, we don't want a NATO force uh, butted up against our border." Well, if they expand their border to include Ukraine, it's going to be Poland and Romania that are going to be butted up against their border now. So even if they get what they want, it's just so when when, you know, a friend of ours asked me months ago, like about a month and a half ago, um, you know, what do you think is going to happen? I said, well, possible. He's got the thing surrounded. He's invested heavily in this whole thing, uh, Putin. But uh, it's unlikely because it's just so stupid. There's there's no upside. And not only that, but there's there's ample uh, reasons why they can actually come to an agreement. You know, there's an article that was put out on the American uh, greatness. It says a ray of hope. Russia proposals offer a way out of our common predicament. Leaders in Ukraine, Russia and throughout the West should consider the risks of proceeding on the current path and they should make affirmative decisions to change course. So it goes into uh, some of the some of the uh, fundamental uh, fundamental uh, requirements and restrictions. Like Donbass would be independent, um, and that uh, Ukraine would lay down their arms and not put up 
too much more of a fight and the war ends. Of course, Ukraine you know, rejected all of that. But uh, there, there is a, a laundry list of things that could happen to where Ukraine still maintains its sovereignty. And yet, and then Russia goes away. Mainly that Russia feels threatened by NATO, feels threatened by perhaps the bioweapons that they're finding. You know, there, there's also a lot more going on with respect to the bioweapons. Because you got Victoria Newland recently saying that uh, they have bioweapons. Well, you know, it's interesting. What was floating around yesterday was a pr- pretty interesting little meme. And uh, what they uh, talked about was a Wikipedia. So if you Wikipedia Wuhan Institute of Virology, it's a Chinese Academy of Sciences. And it says, what does it say? It says, it's a research institute. Mm. Well, that's what Victoria Newland said about what was going on in Ukraine. So you get all these little Wuhan labs in Ukraine. Why? Why would you want that? And what are we storing? And wouldn't it be something if Vladimir Putin ends up finding weapons of mass destruction uh, where George Bush failed to find it? Well, there it is. And I wouldn't they even be surprised. They were hidden in the labs. And I would not be surprised if that weapons of mass destruction we couldn't find in Iraq and we found in Syria, but then we couldn't find them all in Syria, ended up, we ended up finding them in Ukraine. And maybe it's very possible that because Russia has such an influence over Syria that they wanted to prevent Russia from getting these weapons. And they hoarded them for themselves. And so Russia says, well, you just took what was mine. Mm-hmm. And you took my booty. It's like two thieves mm-hmm. raping and, and stealing from the Middle East, right? All the land. And the United States looks at the booty that's collected in Iraq. And they say, well, that's ours. We went into Fallujah and we took over Iraq. And that belongs to us. And Russia says, well, not so fast. We're going to go ahead and exploit this opportunity and take part of it for ourselves. And they store a whole bunch of things in Syria. Maybe they go into Syria and, you know, we have these anti-Assad rebel forces in Syria. But the conflict in Syria was between Russia and the United States. It always has been. And like we said all week and last week, you know, it started with Gaddafi it started with Benghazi, and that's why Benghazi was such a hot potato and, and such things like that. We're going to go ahead and take a caller really quick. Um, let's see. Caller, you're on the air. This must be Julie from Pennsylvania. Yes, good morning, good morning. Hi, Leonora. I Hi, haven't Julie. heard you in a while. You sound great. Good to hear from oh, you. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Hi. no, we hear you. Um, I just uh, wanted to add what you were saying about the biolabs in the Ukraine and the fact that uh, uh, in 2009, the Ukrainians fell victim to hemorrhagic pneumonia. 2011, 33 uh, Ukrainians died from cholera. And these these all took place right next to these biolabs. 2004, once again, cholera hit 800 citizens. 2005, 
uh, cholera hit again, 100 cases. Cholera is an unforeseen illness that just doesn't occur in the modern world. And here it, it's showing up right next to the uh, bio lab. 2009, hemorrhagic pneumonia. 450 Ukrainians died. 2011, cholera again. 2014, 800 Ukrainians diagnosed with cholera. I mean, then they say that it's all a preventative uh, biological, whatever it is they use for terminology, but there's a lot more going on than in oh, 2016, 20 U.S. soldiers died from influenza virus in Kharkov. Over 200 were hospitalized. So it's there's a lot more going on in those those facilities than so, what they So I tweeted out yesterday after our show yesterday, I said, the once secret Wuhan lab is a research facility. Say, isn't that isn't that what Undersecretary Victoria Newland said was happening in Ukraine? That there were just research labs? Russia saw this <laughs> as a threat because you never know when the next in quotes leak might occur. I wonder if the next gen COVID nineteen will be called Russian twenty two. They're blaming Russia for everything. And you wait exactly. and see. You wait and see how they decide to put the blame game. If they if they end up having a uh, a biolab leak in Ukraine, or they release it on purpose, they're going to blame Russia. They're going to have some sort of a video of a missile going into something, and they're going to make it up, and they're going to blame Russia. And then you're, you're going to see all kinds of things we should have done to China for their COVID nineteen. They're you're going to see them do it. To Russia and Russia, that's how that's how Russia will be defeated is through these sanctions and through this post conflict error of just melees and repression and oppression. <laughs> there was a TV clip the other day of Ukraine in body bags on the street, and it, it, it must have been a clip shot from, from a Hollywood kind of yeah. uh, well director it showed the body bags moving well, well and they had another <laughs> piece of footage <laughs> they had another piece of footage uh, it was a car and they were showing this car uh the, the one of the cities in ukraine and was bombed to smithereens right and it said car on the video yet the actual panning of the video um well there was a waterway uh there was a big huge body of water next to it that was picked up in the film. It's like, Kharkiv is landlocked. That was Beirut in 2020. <laughs> so they took a Beirut vi- video of Beirut being bombed to smithereens. They put the name Kharkiv on it, and they basically said Russia just wiped out Kharkiv. You know, it's, it's such disinformation. But, but, you know, here's the thing. This, this whole thing about... You know, you just know that the globalists are itching for another COVID shutdown. And they're going to call it, instead of COVID-19, they're going to call it Russian 22. You know, and I just make that up because it's like, it's it, it's to drive home the point that they need to rig more elections. They need to control the middle class. They need to redistribute the middle class, the wealth from the middle class to the power elite. And it works so well under COVID that you just know that they're going to find another cheap excuse to do it again. 
Anyway, I just thought you'd like that information. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, during because I'm sure they've scrubbed it yeah. already. I found this information right after it was announced well, the, that they found the bioweapon. Yeah, well, and you can bet it's missing now. Yeah, well, you know, the State Department said no, we didn't have any bio. We don't know. We don't have any state-sponsored uh, bio labs in Ukraine. They scrubbed everything, and you know, we just played footage yesterday of the Russians finding all of this stuff. You better believe that Russia is going to be cataloging all of this evidence. And I it's going to so. blow up yeah. in Biden's face and Obama's well, face because it wasn't Trump that was doing all of this. This is this was a globalist movement, and it was not just the Democrats, it was, but it was the neocons like Lindsey Graham and John McCain that were laundering and selling on the black market these types of illegal um, actions, uh, whether it was oil for weapons, weapons for drugs, drugs for humans. But those four commodities were in play. The people of Ukraine, they have fallen victim with each yeah. overthrow. Yeah. And they're the ones that always get hurt. Yeah. But it, the, one, the, the one illness that really bothered me in this list was hemorrhagic pneumonia. Now, isn't that what they were describing was taking place in China uh, before the Olympics in one of the uh, cities where they had to shut it down? And and it just seems to me if that one shows up, I bet if you do an, an, a DNA analysis on it, it's going to come right out of this lab. Right. Well, hey, thank you for calling in today. Anyway, and, so sorry to bug you. Good morning, guys. All right. <laughs> take care. Good Have morning. a nice day. Good morning. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Well, it's, there it is, folks. You know, um, there's just so much going on there. Leonora, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I, again, I mean, there's just a lot of disinformation that's happening right now with what's going on in the Ukraine and in Russia. And I think we need to be cog- cognizant of that, that just because we're seeing it on television doesn't necessarily make it so. No, I was so afraid when I uh, passed, tossed it over to you just now. I was so afraid that you, of what you might do. And uh, I thought... I hope she doesn't say a friend in need is a friend indeed and just start laughing like a hyena. I can do the laughing oh, that like would be a hyena. Vice, do you want me to do that? That would be our <gasps> vice president of the United States standing with the leader of Poland. Yeah, I don't even think I can My emulate. I, I don't think if I stood in front of a mirror and practiced for hours, I could really emulate Camilla Harris's laugh. You know the thing she does with her head that uh, Maya Rudolph on Saturday Night oh, yeah. Live does such a great imitation yeah. of? But it just yeah. looks so ridiculous because somebody asked a very honest question about people in Poland and to use the expression a friend in need is a friend indeed do you, you have to parse that statement to see what it means a person who is in need is a friend indeed literally means that somebody who has a need of something who is your friend because they have a need or there's a correlation there because they they want something so for her to trivialize what is going on in the Ukraine, what is going on in Russia, support that Poland has provided, support that, you know, the other uh, tangential countries have provided, to trivialize that with a with a trite little expression shows how ignorant she is. And this is the vice president of our country. And then she stands there with a laughing like a hyena and can't even answer the question, can't even recover from her faux pas. And so she leaves it to the other, you know, the other 
person on the dais to, to save her. And it just makes us look even more ridiculous on the world stage. So when we look at Biden and the missteps that Biden has made over the whole time that he's been in the presidency, all, the only thing that uh, people keep thinking is, OK, well, what happens if he's gone? We, got, we have her. And that's yeah. what scares people even more. So here's one. Uh, it's just funny stuff. You know, they're, they're just she's the laughing joke of the world right now. So president's press question. Is the U.S. willing to make a specific allocation for you Ukrainian refugees? And to President Duda, did you ask U.S. to specifically accept refugees? Kamala, okay. A friend in need is a friend indeed. And she laughed like a hyena. Duda, it's funny. I'm reading this yeah. guy's tweet. Yeah. I used hyena. Oh, you used it without reading the tweet. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, you, no, you, that's, you, that's true. You're in sync with the tweeter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Duda then answered the serious... Oh, so let's uh, take, take a listen here. Uh, let's see. Well, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Flank, here we go. On the eastern flank, talking about... I am here, standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our NATO allies, and what is at stake at this very moment. I am here, standing. Yeah, that was her answer after she actually uh, laughed like a hyena and couldn't, <laughs> you know, she's not being prepared, but you don't even have to be prepared for for that question. You know, it it's a pretty easy question. She's a lawyer. Uh, well, right. She has a. She has a. She has an actually. She has a law degree. She is also the vice president of the United States. She's got a whole staff of people prepping her on everything. But you know what? They keep quitting. So there may be indicative of a problem there because there. This woman. Besides her dangerous ideology, which goes back to you know her years as the attorney general of California, she also is incompetent. I mean, it's amazing how incompetent she is. And it's frightening that she's like the second in command. I mean, it's bad enough that we have Biden, but it's not like we have a, a hope behind him. We've we've got her, and she's she's very scary in terms of what she doesn't say, what she doesn't know, and she's all, and what she does say, yeah. and what she does propagate yeah. is dangerous. About some reporting that my colleague here in Poland noticed, he recently spoke with the mayor of the largest border town, who told him that the refugee system is essentially not set up for this, that it will collapse. It's an improvised system that can work for maybe two weeks, but not indefinitely. And I'm wondering what the United States is going to do more specifically to set up a permanent infrastructure. And relatedly, is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? Now, that being said, see, that's a, that's a question asked in English. Mm -hmm. Now, Duda speaks English, but this was clearly a question to Kamala Harris. Yeah. And for... President Duda, oh, I yeah. wanted to know if for, you okay. think and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a friend in need is a friend in need. <laughs> okay, I, I, I can first. <laughs> He's okay, okay. Saying, you can this first. time. Szanowna pani redaktor. Madam, the situation is very complex. This is what I was saying. Yeah, so he's he's basically speaking 
in uh, Pol- Polish, uh, yeah. uh, Polish speak. Polish. Um, yeah, Pol- <laughs> it just sounded funny the way it came out of my mouth. But, uh, you know, I got to tell you, that is just insane, right? Well, I mean, we've already, um, you know, massaged it to death. But I can say here that it just looks more and more ridiculous every time you see it. Because this is also indicative, Scott, of a pattern with Kamala Harris where she insults people. She go and she patronizes them. I mean, she goes into countries like when she went to France and she's uh, endeavoring to speak French in a way that's patronizing to people. She did something else uh, very recently uh, where she tried to uh, she was explaining a complex situation with what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and was dumbing down her language in such a way where, again, she was insulting people by her attempts at simplification. There are ways to simplify a, a summary point, without insulting 1. people. 1.6 million people they took in. Yeah, here's, here's the sad news. Yeah. You want to know the sad news? Yes. What's the sad news? So you and I have been to Hungary. Yes. Got to watch a great wrestling mm-hmm. event. USA. Yeah. Uh, had a great tournament there. And that was in 2018. Yes. October 2018. Yeah. And... Um, what a great trip. Budapest was really, really nice. So I remember um, there was a tourist type of guy, and he was, they, uh, they hated their, um, uh, forget the guy's name, Luna or something like that, but um, the uh, leader of Hungary. Mm-hmm. And he's conservative. And, you know, he's basically put a stop to uh, um, transgender and uh, trans, you know, like, like, uh, like, Governor DeSantis, um, basically uh, putting in a, uh, putting a halt to this, you know, indoctrination of our children by teaching them about transgender and LBGTQ and things like that uh, in in the lower grades. Uh, so DeSantis was out in front of that. Uh, and he was just on video yesterday uh, getting a lot of cheers, acting like a rock star, and he's been doing a great work, great work down there. Well, Hungary had the same thing. They said, we're not going to open up our borders to these refugees, and they're not going to just flood our country. That's number one. They have a very patriotic p- uh, policy toward family. Mm-hmm. Um, they... Uh, they say we'll give each family who has their first child thirty-five thousand dollars, and uh, if they stay here for a little while and whatever, um, it ends up being like a nice little seed for a college fund, mm-hmm. or it, it creates an investment in terms of a future family building. And uh, I, I at first I didn't like that policy. I didn't like the way it smelled, but then I liked it. Because oh, I, thought, I recall what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, because, and this was a while ago. But, yeah, yeah, it's you know, 2018. Be, because basically that, whoever that child is, is going to grow up being Hungarian. They're going to um, pay enough in taxes to where that $35,000 is going to be a drop in the bucket. It's actually really, really good policy. But anyway, he he's blocking him, illegal migrants, number one. Number you're two, talking about Viktor Orban. Orban, yeah. that's his name. The prime minister. Yes. And uh, he came out of nowhere. You know, basically, he's uh, very conservative. But Poland is, too. So guess what the European Union did? They voted in lockstep to sanction Poland and Hungary. Yeah. Unbelievable. Even though they've taken in a record number of refugees from the Ukraine. Yeah. 
Yeah, they did that. And uh, so to me, that that was just so uncalled for um, that they did that. So it was uh, there. It says here. So I wrote this tweet, too, and it was EU Parliament sanctioned Hungary and Poland in midst of Ukraine war, despite both countries welcoming 1.6 million refugees. In January 2021, EU introduced rule of law conditionality, whereby the commission could refuse EU funds to national governments, national sovereign governments, right? Get this. In, in breach of the common rule of law. So if you're in breach of the common rule of law, you could have your funding halted. Isn't that what happened to the truckers? Yeah. They had their funding halted because they were in breach of the common uh, law that Trudeau saw. Yeah. Trudeau sees them as a threat. Yeah. Even though they weren't threatening. They were honking their horns. Conservative countries dissent against the the liberal European mainstream on how to govern, e.g., for example, Hungary, Hungary's passing of legislation which prohibited LBG, LGBT uh, propaganda to be taught in schools or rejects mass immigration, EU could deny them funds. Yeah. And this is what's going on. So this is what the social credit score system's about. This is what the European Union is embracing. This is what the vaccine passports were a gateway to. That level of control. Wear your masks. Stand six feet apart. Don't go out of your doors. Uh, don't socialize in gatherings of uh, more than six people in a group. Things like that. Do, we will take the Gestapo police and we will shut you down. We will incarcerate you. We will find you. We will break you financially. We'll freeze your accounts. Well, that's the same thing on a uh, government level and the EU is doing it it's part of their mentality folks it's part of their philosophy it's part of who they are the fabric of their soul is what they're all about so when I listen to Ukraine and this leader uh, this leader here where she says well I wrote this tweet and I'm going to read it out but this is a uh, I forget this woman's name now, Erica Rika. Um, and this is what she had to say. Again, this is a European member. Uh, this is a Ukrainian member of parliament. And I'm, I know I've played this a couple of times this week. I'm playing it today because this is our weekend show and I want to make sure it's heard over the weekend. So, you know, forgive me, but uh, here it is. Right now, it's a critical time because we know that we not only fight for Ukraine, we fight for this new world order for the democratic countries. We knew that we are the shield for the Europe. That's exactly what they're standing for. This, this war is about globalism versus nationalism. Putin is a nationalist, and he sees the threat of globalism in Europe, especially in the wake in, of uh, COVID-19, where it's crushed the middle class that there's no democracies left, that the, the, the votes are rigged, the elections are rigged, and the middle class is crushed, and the, the wealth distribution is probably there's a bigger gap between the haves and the have-nots than ever before. And we're, uh, as a middle class, hanging by a thread, but with $7 a gallon in gas looming, 
and the control of our oil and all of our assets because we no longer have a vote. I mean, it was just the other day that Congress passed a $1.5 trillion spending hike. Yeah. And they didn't even have a budgetary committee hearing on that. They didn't even discuss it. They just rammed it down the people's throats, stealing our money out of our pockets. And we have no say in it. And if you think your vote counted, no, there's no way that Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters gets reelected so many times like this with their failed, miserable policies. And in addition to that, there's just no way that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. No way. The guy can't even find his path off the stage. And there's no way that the sitting president, President Trump, who got more votes than any other president in history, despite a rigged election, and can fill up arena after arena. Your eyes are not lying to you. They are not lying eyes. Believe what you see. Open your eyes and consume and believe what you see, not what you hear from coming out of Don Lemon's mouth. It's absolutely absurd. So I wrote this in in conjunction with the uh, member of parliament there who's talking about the New World Order and whatnot. And I said... You have all heard of the Cuban Missile Crisis with all the politicians and their sons who worked at places like Burisma, who had been paid off in exchange for favors like Ukraine migrating to NATO and or becoming part of the EU, shielding the euro, endorsing the new world order. Russia knew their existential threat was brewing just next door. To be clear, I am not sympathizing or siding with Putin, rather I'm blaming the Obama and Biden regimes and our neocon senators like Lindsey Graham for their corruption in the region that led us to this point. And that is the that is the truth about that situation. Now, we do have patriots. We do have great patriots in our country. And one of them is Jim Jordan. And Jim Jordan makes a lot of sense when he says this. This, this is the great divide in, uh, in America today, Sean. You got the, quote, elite and the, and the crazy left who think that there's no problem having four and five dollar gas. And then you got middle America. You got the, the working and middle class American families who understand what this this means. So this is the great. You, you had Colbert say, oh, just get a go, go buy a Tesla. And Buttigieg said, you know, buy that buy an electric vehicle. The disdain they have for the people in manufacturing and the people in agriculture, the people who make things and grow things is what just bugs me to death. I mean, remember when Peter Strzok said, um, uh, I'm in the Walmart and I can smell the Trump supporters? Or when Anderson Cooper said, you know, uh, Trump supporters, they, they eat at the Olive Garden and stay at the Marriott. I mean, the disdain, the quote, elite, the, the left have for the people in this country who make it happen is what drives me crazy. And yeah. we are seeing well, Jim, that play out. People like Mr. Crabtree are what make this country such a special place. And they're getting a raw deal from the Biden administration. It's true. It's true, absolutely. But not all GOP members are alike. Not all GOP members are alike. You take this uh, this woman. I always had a little... Uh, uh, I always liked her, right? Yes. You know, but she comes across... I like her accent. I think she's beautiful. Yes, she's yes. A, uh, pleasant to look at, but she's not the sharpest tool in the shed. She's a GOP from the Miami area. Right, yeah. 
and uh, Congresswoman Salazar. Yeah, well, I like her. Yeah, I did too. I think she's very, uh, she's got well, a nice appeal about well, her. Well, here she is acting stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. and, and, and do you support a no-fly zone in Ukraine? I, I, I support everything that has to do with punishing Vladimir Putin and helping the Ukrainians. Wouldn't that mean direct conventional warfare with Russia? I don't know what it will mean, but you know freedom is not free. So you don't know what a no-fly zone will mean? If you you have to shoot down Russian planes, I mean... Of course! Conventional war with Russia. Listen, thank you. (laughs) Hi. And do you support... She leaves leaves the questioner high and dry. But basically, she wants to... I said this. I said, GOP Representative Salazar would like to start a direct war with Russia. Isn't that what that would do? Yeah, of course it would. Absolutely. It would absolutely start a direct war with Russia. <laughs> it's just so blind, blindly stupid. You know, we have... It's hard to imagine. Well, I used to, I used to have, you know, when I was younger, perhaps, I used to think that these Congress people were just so smart. And now I just realize that they're just so corrupt that the deck is stacked. And the reason why they have all the answers is because they're the one writing the script. You know, they already know the plot line before we do. You know, and this thing called circular reporting, uh, right? Yep. You know, there's a thing called circular reporting, which happens a lot. And the Democrats are responsible for it. Yeah. And, uh. You have any comments on the subject? On circular reporting, I could go on for days. <laughs> no, but you know what the thing is, I, I've even had this experience where I uh, I see I see things, I see things in the print that I know I said on my radio show, and uh, and basically I, I say it, and then I'm I'm thinking it, and then I see someone writing something. It's exactly the words I used, and I know I was the only one that said it. Right. So. And then I'm like, okay. And so then next thing you know, I see other people picking up on it. Yeah. And, you know, in one, one sense, you could say plagiarism is the best. What plagiarism. Is plagiarism <laughs> is the best. What is that? It's uh, imitation, so is the, imitation is the best form of flattery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Something there, there like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the idea is, is that so you come up with these original thoughts and I, I do as much as I can try to be original with my, my analysis. Um, you know, you come up with some of these thoughts and then they get hijacked by somebody else and they don't even give you credit for it. Um, you know, and so... They they pawn it off as their own thought. Well, that's you know somebody taking your thought, but the circular reporting is something even more dangerous. Well, well, where where they use the same source to confirm the yeah, original source. But what I'm saying is the circular reporting is such that you, I say something right, and next thing you know, I, I start to see it written up and and talked about and bandied about, and then other people uh, who wrote the story get put on Tucker and put on uh, Hannity or whatever, you know, and they get to talk about it. And I was like, wait, that was my idea originally. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and it happens You got to beat a drum a little louder. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> my drum is not big enough. But um, in any case, uh, I, I think that the politicians, though, do that almost in an art form. Like, they'll say something or they'll leak something or they'll have somebody print something. And it gets put out there and circulated like in circular reporting where someone like Yahoo News will cover it, Huffington Post will cover it, Politico will cover it, Slate, you know, all these little, and then 
And then it gets picked up by the mainstream media, USA Today and Newsweek and Time and whoever else. And then all these journalists get put on TV, TV and talk about it. And on the weekend, Sunday shows, uh, it becomes part of the narrative. But it was leaked out there by choice individuals. So they already know the script because they originated the script. They are basically the director of the narrative. And these politicians come off like they're so smart because they know the truth. A lot of times yeah. these, these, these politicians know their truth. So what next, Leonora? We what? can where there's a lot of there's, there's a, loads of things we could we, we can we we can talk about. But again, uh, you know, um, the one big issue we need to continue to talk about is what's going on um, at the pump. And you know, we have this narrative happening where we've got the Biden administration trying to call this uh, Putin's uh, spike. Which is completely inaccurate. I mean, of course, what's going on in Russia has exacerbated the situation. But it was Biden uh, and his administration that stopped all the domestic uh, work in terms of oil uh, fabrication and fracking, et cetera, where we would have. So so now, yeah, great. Now we're not getting uh, the oil from Russia, but we don't have our own resources, which we shut down. Yeah, well, you know, um, uh, Pete Pete Butthead. Right, Pete, Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg oh, yeah. oh, it's Buttigieg, Buttigieg. not Butthead. Um, like Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. So he's basically like, let them all have Teslas. Let them buy Teslas. <laughs> yes. You know? uh, what, how much do those cars 60 cost? Grand. Sixty thousand yeah. dollars. So, I don't think everybody can afford a sixty thousand dollar car. Business Insider wrote this. They said one in five electric vehicles owners uh, in California switched back to gas. So roughly 20% of electric vehicle owners in California replaced their cars with gas ones. The main reason drivers said they switched was the inconvenience of charging. A three-minute fill-up at the gas pump gets you 300 miles where electric vehicles take much longer. Like you could, yeah. you could have to wait there for an hour yeah. to get your car charged to, just to get home. You know, I mean, if you're out of battery... You're you're screwed, yeah. you know. It's it's a real problem. And, uh, and then what else? You know, how do they make batteries? Don't they use coal? Uh-huh. <laughs> they use coal to make batteries. That's number one. And how about this? You know, where are we gonna where are we gonna store all the used batteries? Uh-huh. These big, huge car batteries. Where are we gonna put them? Throw them in the ocean? I don't think so. So where's the landfill gonna be yeah. for this battery acid? You know, and. Uh, to me, I don't think it's really fully thought, thought through um, because it also the benefit factor of that and probably perhaps the reason why Biden is pushing electric vehicles so much is because China wants him to. Yeah. Because China is the main manufacturer of batteries. And guess what? A lot of these um, precious minerals in the Middle East and in Afghanistan, uh, well, Afghanistan, is the, but like Afghanistan and elsewhere, um, you know, and even in Ukraine, uh, there's a lot of technology. There's a lot of minerals that come from the earth. Uh, also, I think up in the Antarctic, mm-hmm. uh, the northern part. Um, uh, Russia is, has is has a land mass that's uh, rich with this stuff. But this mining of these products to make planes and to make semiconductors, you know, they uh, talked about... Um, what was the what was the palladium? Yeah, yeah. Palladium, palladium was a precious metal. Exactly. So in any case, they um, 
you know, that's what's at stake here is, is trying to get these precious uh, land masses that are rich with this kind of soil. And so globalists go in, they start conflicts, they create refugee crisis, they get all the fighting age males into uh, voting blocks in the United States and elsewhere. Uh, they use them as slave labor uh, because they're strong fighting age males. They can work 18 hours in the fields. They can work the meat packing plants. They can uh, drive the car for 18 hours a day in your gig economy, uh, Lyft and Uber. And uh, there's nobody left in their homeland to, to defend it. So, you know, in Ukraine, you see that firsthand the opposite way. Men are saying, I'm going to take my wife and my ch- children and send them to Poland someplace safe uh, while I'm going to go back to Kiev and I'm going to fight, right? And that's great. I admired that. But that, that just goes to show you how precious of a commodity during a war or a conflict that a fighting age male could be. By taking all these uh, fighting age males out of the Middle East and out of other parts of the world and sending them through our open borders or taking them out of Afghanistan as refugees and putting them in Wisconsin and in some sort of a concentration camp uh, where they can vote. Um, It's it's a twofer, if not a threefer, in terms of the corporations love it because they get the slave labor. They profit from it. Uh, The left wing likes it because they're going to convert those into Mm -hmm. voters. Yeah. Because... The, the Republicans don't even know where they're being stationed. Yeah, Half yeah. the time, they're being flown in the middle of the night on these secret planes someplace, and you don't even know who they are. And the Democrats seem to have a handle on the election rigging. And then, thirdly, it leaves the place where they came from defenseless. To And these places happen to have all that rich land mm-hmm. to make these products. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things. Um, but, yeah, so Charlie Kirk came out with a really good tweet the, uh, earlier this week talking about who's to blame for the, for the uh, oil prices. And guess what? You know, it was 500 and something percent uh, oil spike hike mm-hmm. uh, up until before Russia invaded Ukraine, right? Yeah. And it was only a 25% increase since Russia invaded Ukraine. Right. So from Biden's inauguration address, this first year in office, we've seen inflation across the board. And, you know, it pains me every time I see the uh, mainstream media talk about, you know, I was watching this one clip where they said there's not much that Biden can do so long as Putin's doing what he's doing. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not Putin's fault. Biden closed the Keystone, Keystone yeah, Pipeline well, on day one. Well, exactly. This what's going uh, on is just drilling in Amor. made an already bad situation worse. And they're doing the same thing that they're always they always do. They're, they're shifting the blame game. Well, and it's exactly what Obama did in the wake of um, the housing crisis when he first took office. It's like now is not the time to raise taxes and and smother an economy that's trying to get back on its feet and all this spending. And, uh, you know, and his economy didn't do half of what it could have done. And, you know, what they they also they cover and they say, hey, guess what? You know, all these jobs are coming back. Yeah, they're coming back. They're just being filled back up 
you know, people are getting rehired for their old jobs. These are That's not, not new, a new jobs. Job. These are old jobs which have, you know, which were cut for a while, temporarily suspended, that have been brought back. That's what's going on. All right. So we got a couple of minutes, and we wanted to talk a little bit about what Leonora, what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so I just the, want with the American Spectator. Yes, I just wanted to mention that I recently had an article. It was about the president um, War, Warren G. Harding, and it was a book review of a book by. Um, a professor named Ryan Walters and the name of the book is The Jazz Age President Defending Warren G. Harding and you know you ask why is Warren G. Harding who was the president for two like two and a half years in 19 you know from 1921 to 1923 why is he relevant today but what I found so interesting about this book was he was a Republican who history has completely derided, uh, disparaged, and he was actually a pretty good president in terms of what he accomplished, how he um, reinvigorated the economy after all the excesses of Woodrow Wilson. He appointed four Supreme Court justices. He established the Veterans Bureau. He established the uh, the precursor to OMB. He was also a champion of equal rights for for uh, Black Americans. He did many good things, but because his administration had several scandals, and he also had uh, a child out of wedlock, which has been confirmed, history has you know really given him a bum rap when he actually had a lot uh, when he had a lot of tangible accomplishments and people are beginning to see this about Harding and the same thing has happened to other presidents we saw how Reagan was eviscerated while he was actually in office and as time went on people began to see that Reagan was actually quite a good president um i envision that the same will happen for president trump as much as people were critical of him while he was in office if you actually Peel back his accomplishments. Take away his communication style. If it wasn't your cup of tea, fine. But if you look at what President Trump actually accomplished and the fact that he is once again surging, yeah, this is this is yet another cautionary tale. Yeah, and I just want to say, if you want to find uh, all of uh, Leonora's works, uh, writings, um, you can find it just by simply googling Leonora Cravota. C-R- oh, let's see, we're running out of time. C-R-A-V-O-T-T-A is the last name. So Leonora, L-E-O-N-O-R-A, Cravota. Um, and uh, you put Leonora Cravota, spectator. Just those three words. And you'll find that she's the author of many of these articles, and you'll find a whole list. And her pretty little picture is up there. <laughs> and... Uh, you can find out a lot more about what she's doing over at the Spectator uh, and writing these things, can, you know, uh, holding events and doing all kinds of great things. So, in any case, that brings us to the end of our show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. Check out magapack.org and find out what we're doing to make America great again by supporting America First policies. And if you go over to MyPillow.com, use Red State as your promo code to get the biggest discounts. On mattresses, pillows, slippers. (laughs) With that, we're out of time. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.